start us off. Welcome everybody to an episode of King of the Court. We got myself, we got Jimmy, and we have a very special guest. Who is it, Jimmy? I mean, we've got the goat. We've got the pickle goat, Ben Johns. Thank you for joining us, Ben. It is 1130 in the morning, and I think you just woke up. Is that right? (laughs) Hey, guys. Thank you. (laughs) Um, No, didn't just get up. I know it may look like that because, you know, bad hair day is just my regular day. Uh, No, I just came back from a cold plunge. So uh, after I'm in the water, um, the hair just gets like this, and I look interesting. Hair looks good. Ben's eating lunch. He's relaxed. He's ready to go. Love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're going to sit down and talk with you. You're out there in Austin, kind of just hanging out. And then next week we have MLP. And then the week after that, we got nationals. So uh, one more week off and then we're back at it. Yeah. What have you done during your time off, Ben? Uh, You know, yeah, we got a big couple of weeks coming up. Um, I went on a little vacation. I went to... uh, the Northeast kind of Montreal, uh, Vermont, Massachusetts, and then Maryland, which is my home and saw my parents and stuff. Okay. Uh, so it was like, I wanted to see fall cause Austin doesn't have a great fall and I love yeah. fall. Yeah. So I did that mini vacation and then I got about, um, 10 days here, got back, um, like three days ago maybe. Okay. And, uh, just training regular, um, as always. And then, uh, ready for Dallas basically. Ben, you were at F1 this last week, right? Yeah, yeah, I was. I was there yesterday. And I that was your there, se- second time going, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so that was the first time I've been to the Austin one, which was an amazing experience. I was at the Miami one last year, so I've done Miami and Austin now. Uh, hopefully, I get to do Vegas at some point since that's a thing now. Seems pretty crazy. Dude, the Vegas um, one I like insane. One. It's it's just crazy to me, like the logistics and how many people they're fitting, and like Vegas is already a crowded crowded yeah. place. Like it's already yeah. a zoo. <laughs> What's it going to be like with a race there? It's, I mean, it's, Vegas it's is going to be like I don't even know how they're going to do it. Like, yeah. well, they've already shut down. Well, not shut down, but they're already building out the yeah. uh, the strip. Yeah. So I mean, it goes right. Literally, the course goes right past the Bellagio fountains, like something like that. Right? Like that's insane. Yeah. Uh, do you have a team or a, a, a driver? Uh, you know, I usually don't like to go like, I don't care that much. It's not like I root for anybody in particular that much, but, um, and I usually don't go for like the top dog or whatever, but just kind of watching the show, which is how I got into formula one, you know, drive yeah. to survive, just how kind of Lewis Hamilton was with just, he's like cool as a cucumber. He's pretty chill. He's just interesting to get his perspective on things. So I've always liked Lewis Hamilton. And he's American. Uh, you got to cheer for the Americans, right? Ben, do you uh, uh, <laughs> do you do you think pickleball should have a show like that? Mm. How do you think that would do? Um, I think it would do well. I think they kind of struck gold with that uh, drive to survive. Um, they did a lot of things right, and I feel like they they kind of found a recipe because I think the same guys who did that they did like full swing for golf. I'm not sure if they did the tennis one, but it seems like you know people enjoy a behind the scenes look at professional sports. Yeah. Uh, what I would say is it would be entertaining with pickleball. I'm just not sure you have quite enough, um, depth to the sport to, to, you know, tell something that's as compelling as it could be. So I'm not sure what exactly the right time would be like when it's kind of ideal to do it, like strike while the iron's hot with pickleball being popular, but also when it's maybe a little more developed, yeah. I can't really say when that might be, but I would say maybe not right now, but probably soon ish. Who, who, who are the personalities that you would have to have on there? Uh, Jimmy Miller. Uh, <laughs> definitely not Tyler. 
just just gimme. Um, <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, t- t- Tyler's too low key. You wouldn't get enough out of him. Um, I'm trying to think. Of the- There's so many. I would definitely have AJ. AJ would be spectacular to to be around. Zane. Uh, Zane Affleck. Zane uh, Affleck. Yes, I had both Zanes on. I think yeah. Tills would be funny. Uh, you got to have Tyson on there. There's a there's a there's a certain type of people that Tyson attracts, and you definitely want that that yeah. that crowd watch well. So you, you want him, somebody like him. I'd say Matt Wright. You want Matt Wright just because just throw him in there with Tyson and see what happens. Get <laughs> some fireworks. Um, the girls, Jill Braverman, Anna Bright. Um, who else am I missing? A- anybody you know that has a lot of character and and isn't afraid to show up, basically. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Be- I was uh, I was texting Pardo and I was telling him to come down to Formula One and I'm like you you got to come down here just to witness just to be here to see the atmosphere what they have going on mm-hmm. what they have set up I mean um, essentially so honestly, I think go ahead pickleball and the PPA and you know really anybody that runs events honestly I think can learn a ton from how Formula One does its stuff because I've never seen exactly. An that is run so well on such a large scale in terms of exactly. how easy the even when you show up like how easy it is to get inside like how you use your credentials uh what's the layout geographically just the ease in which everything is done as a person that goes i'm just like this is how events should be done right and i feel like you get a lot and of a lot of those tents that run. are uh for f1 are built out they're not permanent stands they're built out for right. for those races yeah, that's insane. Right, like yeah. Austin, of course, has that circuit. So, I mean, they, they have to put in a lot of stuff. They just have the track already there. But, like, Miami is built out. Vegas is built out. And that's kind of yeah. similar to what the BPA does. They have, you know, a, a venue, but then they have to build around a little bit. Um, so, yeah. even something like I was in, you know, kind of a certain area, it's called the Paddock Pass or something. And I was like, hey, the BPA can do a much better job of selling not just VIP tickets, but, you know, different sections of what kind of VIP are you, what kind of access do you get, what kind of privileges do you have? And, you know, maybe the players need to give up some kind of a little bit of their privacy in order for that to happen. But, you know, if that's better for the tournament and better for the players by extension, then, you know, let's do it. Because, you know, you could see the, the drivers like just walking past in, in the paddock. Yeah. And, you know, they'd get, they'd get harassed a little bit for pictures and stuff, but you, you could tell they just knew it was part of the gig. Uh, and obviously they get paid the big bucks because a lot of people are into that. So and that's, you know, it's just part of it. Yeah. Don't you think that's part of the reason why pickleball is so popular is because the access to players right now, like there's players are mm-hmm. so accessible at tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. At least for now. Uh, for now. Yeah. And, and I'd say, you know, you, you want to retain a little bit of that, like formula one does like as big as stars as they are, you can still access them pretty easily just by paying, you know, a little more money basically. Um, yeah. and I think pickleball should not lose that entirely. It shouldn't be, where you have no access, right? But yeah, undoubtedly, I think there's a lot of spectators that if they're going to watch the pro game, they obviously love that they can, you know, pretty easily ask for a picture or an autograph or even a conversation, right? Yeah. I may or may not have somehow snuck down to the pad. Um, there's a massive group that was walking in and I just kind of walked in with them and we were literally on the on the runway for about five to 10 minutes before we had to leave. It was incredible. That's yeah. broke the law. There's something I said about I may or may cars. not have. Oh. What? I just, you know, I don't really know much about the sport, but there's just something about how majestic those cars are. I just think it's like exhilarating. Yeah. Like when they start, the heartbeat goes up. It's it's a pretty pretty cool sport. So have you bought a new motorhome? You, did you get a bus? A new motorhome? Did you buy a bus too? RV? <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> oh, and that's in reference to Ale. How are you? Um, Years. No, no, I don't have a motorhome. I'm you're sorry. Not, you're not going. I wish I could, When's that coming? Yeah. Uh, you know, I've never really been a fan of buses, so that's probably never going to come. But <laughs> I'll take it under due consideration. You know, if the people want it, then maybe we'll have to make it happen. Well, listen, it, I mean, you should get access to it. Anyways, mm. so as her partner, I think I got to demand some kind of. Yeah, like, you like some. You know, I get like an hour yeah, for that, exactly. Exactly. All righty. Let's get into some uh, questions. So, Jimmy. Ben, I, here's the big thing. I know that you geek out and nerd out about this. So I want your take since it's back to being a hot topic again about these delaminated paddles. And, okay. you know, Jilly B went off. She called PPA the most corrupt organization in sports. And she basically said that the that Carl is getting paid to pass certain paddles which is wild. Um, but the big, the big paddles that came up were Annalie and Irina's paddle techs and how they just sound different. They're not the same paddles you can buy off the shelf. And she honestly, I mean, she we will just say that she came a little bit unhinged. So do you think, <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that this is, I mean, this is still you a know, problem. Is it? Yeah. Everyone knows I'm very fervent on the, the paddle uh, problem, so to speak, you know, I've been very vocal about better testing needing to happen. Um, and, and you know, I, I still am. Um, what I would say is that one, I, no, I don't really think there's corruption going on. Um, I, I think at least we've gotten a lot better from what we had before, which was no on-site testing of any kind. You know, now we have ultrasonic and we have surface testing. Uh, and what I would say is those, those tests are more, they're there right now, not as this is perfect, not by any means, they're there as a deterrent, right? And Carl said it many times. He's like, I'm not here to try to fail people. I'm going to try to let you pass because we don't want defaults, right? Um, with that being said, rules are rules and you need to be adhering to them. So really what I think we all want to see more in, in play is, you know, ultrasonic testing is only for delamination, which I, I think pretty much all the delamination problems have gone away because people have realized, hey, you can't get away with that anymore because there is a test for it. So, of course, what yeah. are, is any company going to do? They're going to exploit what is not tested for, um, which would be, you know, something like deflection or power. That's what we have to struggle to test for most right now. Um, and even on, to some extent, we struggle to test for spin in certain ways. So, one, you do need a, a better test. And, you know, I've talked about it before, ideally velocity testing of some sort. And I know MLP has been working on that and they're, uh, you know, close to being able to do so, so dynamic some sort testing. Of like, some sort of like exit velocity like baseball has. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's just what power is, right? That's what we're all concerned with. And deflection is, you know, it's related, but it doesn't measure the same thing. So you can easily get around it. So like a good example, I think is the new gearbox. And I don't know this for sure, because I haven't really opened one up or anything. But I think, you know, Roth is a brilliant guy. He's, uh, you know, the engineer and owner of gearbox. He does a great job with paddles. So yeah, I think that may, I, I think, uh, obviously, I don't think he's cheating. It's legal, right? Um, but I think it has ways of getting around deflection. There are plenty of ways to get around deflection and increase power while passing legally and being, you know, at a power that's very yeah. high. Um, and that's why I think it's important to go to a, a velocity limit and not a, not oh, a deflection. I mean, we, I mean yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a secret. I don't think it's a secret that that paddle was created to get around the testing. 
you know, yeah, and I mean, of, I mean, Dr. Yeah. Rafa about it, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really want um, pickleball to go that direction. You know, maybe it's even something to the more to the point of like, hey, it's this easy to get around the test. We need better testing. Like, it, yeah. it's almost like uh, it spurs people on to you know do better. Uh, but I would, what I would say is, the PP I think is working on it. But what they don't seem to want to do is push for a solution, get it wrong, and then just be like, oh shoot, sorry, we messed up. Let's try to get this right again. It's more like. Um, you know, waiting on MLP a little bit, making sure there's a good system put in place and that they don't have to retract and do again and again and again. I think that's the idea. We're all impatient. Like we all want better testing, the players in particular, uh, no one more than myself. I think that's, you know, the integrity of the game is like priority number one, basically. But, um, you know, nothing happens overnight. So, uh, you know, we'll keep pushing for it and hopefully it happens sooner rather than later, basically. So let me ask you this with paddle technology increasing the big topic in fact, I think Colin mentioned this James Ignatowicz about possibly using different paddles for the men's and the women's game paddles or balls P- paddles and balls. Mm-hmm. So for example, golf, for instance, women's golf balls have a different compression level than men's golf balls because obviously they don't swing as hard. Um, what do you think about that for doing that for pickleball? I think that's certainly a reasonable idea. Um, that get tricky because mixed doubles. Yeah, so I but think if you uh, use one, one of the one of the best things you see in pickleball that people enjoy a lot is girls going head to head and like mixed doubles with guys and winning. Like people are very entertained by that. So yeah. I would certainly not be opposed to uh, exacerbating that effect by guys having you know less powerful paddles, um, and, and you know that, that would definitely make that effect more palpable. Um, as far as power, uh, paddles getting too powerful, uh, there have been a number of girls in particular girls that have been like, we don't want to play against guys with these paddles cause we're scared of getting hurt. Like two pro women affects yeah. me that been like not a serious issue. And I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. Like that's really a, not a fun situation to be in when guys already hit hard and now it's coming really hard. So I feel like if you're going to play mixed doubles. So I don't know if you want to say this or not, but is there any paddles out there at the moment that you think provide a, a significant advantage um, for certain players? Uh, you know, I, I feel like it's definitely, uh, th- there's definitely some that do give a little bit of an advantage. Um, but I wouldn't say there's any out there that I've been like, you know, this is blatantly just worlds apart. Um, and, you know, I don't think all paddles should be the same. You know, companies have to have some room to, to innovate and, you know, create um, as long as they're within the rules. So I'm more like in general an advocate of thorough and better testing. And if you can create better stuff that's better than other paddles with that thorough testing, then, you know, more power to you. Go for it. Um, so I'd focus more on the part and worried about that. I've been pretty adamant on my stance with, with the paddle, paddle gate, whatever you want to call it. Do you think it matters more in singles or doubles to have a, uh, delaminated paddle or powerful paddle, or is it the same for both? Uh, power wise, power wise. Mm, yeah. Power wise. I'd say it's probably doubles and spin wise. It's singles. Interesting. That's the opposite of what Tyler said. I would say power and singles just because they're passing you. But I, I get I get your stance. I get your viewpoint. Yeah. So the only reason I don't really say that is, and this is kind of personal experience, I've always preferred playing singles with thicker paddles, uh, which allow for a little more spin and less power. And I still manage to pass people okay with that. Um, whereas doubles, it's kind of been the opposite effect. Like personally playing, I've 
you know, you struggle with counter punches more, mostly when you have a thicker paddle, yeah. um, whereas the thinner one kind of power through everything. So I, when I think about power, I actually think about counter punching power more than I think about like ground stroke power, because you can generate ground stroke power just with a better swing, like better swing mechanics. You can't really change your swing mechanics that much to get more power on a, on a counter punch. Jimmy was saying the paddle issue comes into almost more of a play when you're counter blocking balls. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. I think that the time where you see the most noticeable difference in, in power is when people are counter punching. Um, you can say the initial attack, uh, like wrist kind of flicks, especially from low could be a little bit more surprising with powerful paddles, but I I would say the counter punch is, is definitely tough. Um, and certainly they come off at odd angles sometimes, especially high when people are late on them. And if it's high and hard, that's where you run into some, some danger issues a little bit. Gotcha. All right, Jimmy, what other questions do we have? So Ben, I want to go MLP versus PPA. You've always been very, I mean, even the first tour wars, you were definitely PPA guy. This one, I mean, were you ever close on this one to switching to MLP? Um, you know, as my agent said, we can all, we can always consider all options. Um, but I wouldn't really consider myself close in any way. Um, and really the reason for that is fundamentally, I do believe in the tour format, which is, you know, more like tennis. I just think it's a little more professional and a little less entertainment based. I mean, MLP mm-hmm. is entertaining. No question. I think it is artificially that way, which is great for entertainment, great for spectators. And as a player, I don't appreciate that as much. I don't think it's quite as pure. Um, that being said, I, I do enjoy playing it still very much. Um, it presents different challenges and, you know, that's great. And, you know, during the tour wars, I think the biggest question I had my reservation. Did you draft Eric Lang just to challenge yourself? <laughs> do you disagree with that pick? I mean, I would have taken Tardio, but you yeah, know, no, in, in hindsight, I'd say anybody that looks at Tardio and sees how he's playing now, you, I mean, you can certainly say I was an Aaron pick and I think Tardio is playing really well. I think my, uh, my pick in that sense was whenever I've played against Tardio, I've never been super impressed like against him. Yeah. But then when I watched him a little more not playing myself, I was quite impressed, which unfortunately I only kind of got to see him play more, um, after the draft. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if people want to think that's a mistake, I, I wouldn't, you know, debate with you. I'd say Tardio has a lot of upwards mobility to go and he's already playing really well. So there's that, but can draft perfectly, unfortunately. Uh, but where were we? Tour, tour wars, right? Yeah. Um, sorry. My, my other big reservation was that, um, I just, I, I knew a little more about the finances of MLP than I guess most players did. And, um, not having a revenue model was a little disturbing. Um, you know, you can, you can sell teams for a lot of money and that's great. And how you can have a lot of legit people invested, but, uh, you, you can't sell teams forever. Uh, you need a revenue model. I think any person in business knows that, um, and there didn't appear to be one. So I was like, yeah, you can, you can have somebody that it's, you know, a benevolent altruistic kind of person that loves pickleball that has a lot of money, always invest more and fund it. Right. But uh, I, I definitely believe in the stability of having a, a good revenue model a little more. And that was worrying enough for me to, to not get close to that. So you, I mean, why do you think though 80 whatever percent of, you know, the top 100 went MLP over PPA? Like, I'm, this is a sincere question, but do you think that they're sick of losing to you? Do you think that, <laughs> like, I mean this sincerely because... Cause there are rumors out there that one of Riley's comments was he was tired of being number two. 
Um, yeah, well, no, I can't really speak to all the pros. I don't want to generalize. I feel like sure. there's definitely a variety. Um, some legitimately enjoy the team format more, and that's, you know, personal preference. Yeah. Um, I think some simply got a better money offer, and, you know, you can't blame them when somebody's going to offer them, you know, more money for uh, for playing that. Like, you know, I, I basically told like, like six or seven pros asked me during the whole thing, like, hey, what should I do? And I said, do whatever's best for you. Like I'm going to be where I'm going to be, but yeah. I'm not going to sway you either way. Cause I think as a player, you should do what's best for you. Um, so yeah. I'd say that that's another reason, of course, um, sick of losing. I feel like most people are good competitors and they don't like losing. And that's why they want to keep playing against the people they're losing to. Uh, yeah. they want to, you know, they win, they want to do better. Um, at least that's what I hope it is. And then I'd say there's maybe a small subset that, wanted more of what I'd call the, the cushy competition. Um, you know, you're diffusing over the team format, uh, skill. You don't have to work as hard. It's almost like what you see in the NBA, which is, you know, these guys get, sometimes it's younger guys, they get signed to a big contract and then they kind of let their team do the work and they stop working as hard. Right. Like it happens in, in a lot of team sports yeah. and that's just how it is. Like, and I, I don't like blame people for, for feeling that way. It's not how I would personally be. Like I'd rather work hard and, you know, yeah. reap what I, what I, you know, however hard I work, that's what I get out of it. Right. That those are the benefits. Do you, um, do you but, anticipate yeah, that happening? Do you anticipate that happening now? I've told Tyler, I think that's going to happen with these big contracts that some of these players, this will be their last deal because they're going to some, some yeah. undoubtedly will. I, the, the human nature is that that inevitably happens when people get comfortable and it's a cushy lifestyle. Um, it can't not happen to some people. Uh, and I think others will work just as, as hard as ever, if not harder, because that's more how they're wired. Um, but yeah, you know, there's, there's going to be a little bit of both. There's going to be the people that just get the penthouse of the Monarch and call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it, it's interesting just how pickable developed in that you had a lot of money with these slightly longer term deals in a sport where it changes very quickly. It, it was just kind of a, a bit of a bad recipe for, for player development. And I don't think by any means that we've seen yet who, what players are going to be, you know, more, more cushy and which ones are going to, are going to keep trying to work hard. It's, it's yeah. almost impossible to say that, but we'll probably see that in, you know, three years at the conclusion. So, of so what's season. your ideal, because one of Tyler's arguments is that MLP is fun. He, he agrees with you. In fact, I'd say you guys are pretty aligned on this, but too many MLP events takes away the novelty, the, the novelty of it takes away. So what's your ideal number on MLP events? Like if you were the commissioner. So, yeah, well, there's there's two answers to that question. One, I think the format is not what I would do at all if I were the commissioner. I would switch it to more of a Monday night football, Tuesday night football type of thing. Um, uh. And I'd have you know, a team match on Monday and a team match on Tuesday every week out of the year, make it a weekly thing that people can tune into and more virtual. I think you could start up a good revenue model very quickly like that. I don't think you're going to make a lot of money at these big events where you're spending a ton of money and you're also wasting a bunch of content. You're having all these teams, like 20, whatever teams, 24 teams, um, play. And most people aren't watching most of those matches. Like why waste content? If you want more content, spread it out more. Um, then I, I would save a lot of money by, you know, not doing these huge events that I think there's a lot of advantages in that. So in that sense, I think it's better for players too. Like if you have a, a team that plays once every, whatever it is, you know, a match every, I guess it'd be six weeks and only one match for the year. That seems much better than six events where you pack it all in. Yeah. Well, the, 
some of the scheduling rumors are that they will have them bookend the beginning or the end of tour events and not all teams will play. So yes. Yeah. I've heard that. I think they're juggling around a lot of different scenarios that, that but they're trying to see what, what, but I think. What are, what are, what are your thoughts on rally scoring? Um, rally scoring. So I do prefer normal scoring, but I also understand how rally scoring is a little bit more engaging with your, uh, with your people that are kind of just getting into it. As a player, I really don't care that much because I think you can just adapt to whatever. Um, they both have their, their pitfalls, so to speak. And as a player, your job is to adapt to any condition, you know, whether it's wind, indoor, outdoor, uh, conditions, court, whatever. Um, and scoring is just kind of another one of those. So, uh, the better player you are, the more you're going to be able to adapt to a different format. But do you think rally scoring, Tyler is a firm believer, even though the stats disagree that the underdog has a better chance in rally scoring. Uh, I, I'd say without a doubt that they do. Uh, Boom. It, Take that. <laughs> Tim Parks. <laughs> Tim Parks uh, claims that it's 89%, 89% um, side out scoring, 91% rally scoring. No, other way around. Oh, other way around. Yeah. Sorry. 91% of the time, the better team will win in traditional scoring. And then he claims that they've run a bunch of models or data um, analysis yeah. where 89% of the time, the better team will still win in rally scoring. So it's not that okay. big of a difference. Well, um, you know, I, I don't think it's as as um, large of a difference as a lot of people do. I feel like people say, you know, rally is a, is a coin flip and in regular scoring, the, the better team almost always wins. Like it's not that drastic. I believe it's less drastic than most people think. Yeah. I would like to see what kind of simulations they ran though and like yes. kind of on you know, yeah. how big of favorites and like what all you did. Because um, 2% does seem a little small. I, I push it up a, a little more than that. But it's it's definitely not drastic. I do feel like the better team usually overrides. It just looks close because the score is always, you know, quite literally close. But you also got to consider, you know, when these better teams get up one or two points, they can usually kind of hold serve, so to speak, um, you know, from tennis, but in, in the reverse, um, and usually carry that to a win. Um, and that's why the better team usually still does win, I think. It just looks close because the score makes it artificially close, but not as close as people think because getting that break is actually um, quite difficult. Yeah, that makes sense. I would agree. Do you, um, so do you think the future of the sport's still traditional scoring? Or do you think it's easier, like for, for amateur, for amateurs, I mean, at some point maybe do you see amateurs play rally scoring and then pros play traditional or? Um, honestly, I think people maybe get a little too wrapped up in it. I think you can proceed with scoring either way and it's going to be successful. I don't think either one is the future. I think either one can be perfectly successful and it doesn't matter nearly yeah. as much as people think. Like tennis got away with this stupid love, 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 30 love. Like that sounds like too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I was saying if PPA switched over to rally scoring for let's call it 10 tournaments, let's say in traditional scoring, you and Colin would win <clears throat> nine out of those 10 tournaments. I would imagine if it was rally scoring, that number would not be nine out of 10. But Ben's saying it would because uh, he's not going to change his game. He'll adapt because he's Ben effing Johns. Uh, you, you certainly need to adapt, but um, yeah, the percentages I'd say if it was nine out of 10 for us before it might be um, seven or eight. I put it at 7.5. Okay. So 
Ben, here's my question. So pickleball is in its infancy still. I mean, it's pro pickleball, we'll say, is in its infancy, right? And there's a lot of talk that people, they get bored of seeing you and Colin, of you and Annalie, of you and singles, although you, singles, it seems like other, you know, people can get hot. Um, My opinion is, I think that, that in other sports, for example, when Tiger Woods was chasing Jack Nicklaus, right? Everybody was rooting for Tiger Woods because they want to see history made. Where you're at currently is you're kind of setting the standard because there wasn't one to begin with. And so I actually think that you are actually, oddly enough, underrated because (laughs) it's kind of weird to say, but because nobody realizes what you're doing or how great this is going to be you know, 10 years down the road, right? Like you, you've said that you don't want to play past 30. Is that still the case? Like that's not, you want to do other things. So, you know, 10 years from now, right? Like what's, I mean, what does it look like? Are people going to look back and be like, dude, Ben Johns was better than we thought, you know, because people (laughs) like the crazy thing is is people are rooting against you. They want to see you lose. Not saying everybody, but there is a good portion of, of, fans that are that root against you yeah no I, I get it um i don't think many people rooted for the warriors when they were trying to get their their three pd there <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you know, I, I mean that, look at that's... like michael jordan right yeah. how many people were mj fans during the run compared to how many people are mj fans now right yeah really how i think of it is you know how many fans are engaged because they want to see you lose or win it's like you don't you watch to see the result whether it's win or lose that's what i want that's that's you know what gets people interested when it gets to the point where they don't care whether you win or lose that's a much bigger problem right win or lose that's you know uh as long as you watch that's a great thing that's the taylor swift song right indifference (laughs) (laughs) not not sure i'm not a huge swifty but um (laughs) i thought you went to a swifty concert man no no that wasn't me my sisters went um i know anna bright went during so not not me (laughs) <laughs> um, not, not that I would, I would go to a concert, um, if it was the right venue. Um, but to your question, Jimmy, as far as kind of looking back in the future, it is hard to say how much the sport will develop, um, and kind of how you look back on the original players. Like, do you go, Oh, they were actually pretty good for their time. They really developed the sport and, you know, they, they set the tone, set the standard, all that, or they look back on, you know, how we look, look back on some sports. Like, I don't know, even tennis has a little bit of that where they're like, come on, those, those players were horrible compared to house players. It's not even close. Yeah. Right. Hard to say where that will be, but yeah. I assume that for myself and, and, you know, for some other players, it'll look somewhat like the, the best analogy I can draw is, is actually basketball again, like a, a Wilt Chamberlain type of thing. Like he set records that seem obscene now, um, but he did it in a time, of course, where it was much easier to do so. So, you know, if I set records, uh, then it's... Have you ever looked at Wilt Chamberlain clips on YouTube? I actually have not. I mean, he's terrible. Like he looks awful. Like he can't... There's a, there's a video... <laughs> There's a video of him dribbling and it's like the most awkward, goofy thing in the world. And and so, yeah, I, like you watch that and I'm like, okay, well, yeah, this guy was the best, know, yeah, the best know, of the time. I mean, this guy and dropped a hundred points in a game. Like he was putting up these stat lines. He was a man children basically. Um, yeah. yeah it's I like, mean, who's like, he playing against? You know, somebody's going to look at my singles game in 10 years and go like, bro, this guy would only chip backhands. He didn't even have a two-handed backhand. Like, why was he winning? What yeah. is going on? 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that'll definitely happen. You'll, you'll get much more athletic players, much more well-rounded players, um, and, and just the right combination of, of speed and agility and power and all that stuff. It's, it's going to balance out into something that is more ideal for pickleball. Uh, I think the best that any player can do right now is, you know, almost explore the game and, you know, set new strategies and figure stuff out to, to pave the way for other players figuring even more out and, and being better in their future. Right. As, as long as we can push the game forward, then um, more players will, will be better in the future as well. But do you, do you ever get sick of the wait till the D one tennis players come and all these tennis players <laughs> and like, I just, think it's funny. I just think it's funny. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I can, I'm not going to debate with anybody that says that I'm like, well, we have, you know, former ATP players and, and some pretty high level D1 players and, you know, they're, they're good. Um, but, you know, what I've always said with tennis is that you, you have the potential to be extremely good, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be really good. It's just some people transfer well and some people don't. But of yeah. course, if I'm going to, to train somebody to be the best ever, then I'm going to pick somebody like a Jack Sock, right? Like it, it just seems to transfer very well. You got a quick wrist, you're athletic and all that stuff. Like you want that right background. It's just, it's, it's never a guarantee. It's basically yeah. it. But that's like the, that's always the argument, right? Like, oh, Ben's mm-hmm. going to be number one until these tennis players. And now that there's more money in the sport and there's, you know, the Brian brothers is the rumor now that they want to come over. Right. Like, you know, all these, all these former, former tennis players, like, are we going to see the Brian brothers versus the Johns brothers in 2024 in a, you know, I hope so. That'd be really entertaining. I, I, you know, grew up watching, playing them, watching them play doubles together. But you would smash them. Like they're, they're going to not make out of qualifiers. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, no, they'll, they'll get smashed for a while. Um, and I think they're definitely a little bit, so (laughs) it it would be interesting to see what would happen, but uh, they they would certainly get smashed for a while. Um, and also it's not really about wait till the D1 tennis comers, D1 tennis players come as in like they haven't come it's more like you want more depth right yeah depth is really the big thing that tennis has that pickleball doesn't so yeah if i could infuse a hundred you know good d1 tennis players and train them in pickleball for a year or two pickleball would look drastically different you'd have much more widely varying results because you're playing a really good well-developed player every round um and that has a, a much higher chance to beat you whereas right now it's not happening until like you know the quarterfinals or something so yeah it's almost like practically doubling your chances of losing. Yeah. I mean, every, it it would definitely make every round much more exciting. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah. And the more pros you're around that are good, the faster each pro generally improves. Yes, exactly. And and that's going to push you, right? You're, you seem to always be working on something to improve your game, right? Something new, some new trick, Tyler just started drilling after eight years. Just discovered it. <laughs> just he just learned about it. Yeah, it's a new thing for him. Um, yeah, you know what? You know, he didn't need to drill when he was a pioneer. He just he just hit that backhand, baby. Yeah, exactly. chip, chip, chip. He, hey, he knew his role. He was the Colin Johns. He knew his role with hey, the pioneers. I had, an, I had an Ernie. I have the Ernie. Yeah, he, he knew his role. his role. Um, what are you working on now? Is there anything specific, Ben, that you're working on? You got a new shot in the bag, uh, or you? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm working on a number of things. I, I definitely feel like I, I thrive more under more competition and being around more players, uh, both because they push me to work harder and also because they, they inspire me to try things that they're good at. Um, so I guess the one that I, I'm, I'm practicing like three things right now, but the one I can think of that would be uh, kind of taken from other players is, you know how Anna Lee and Connor Garnett both hit like a half volley, two-headed backhand outside yes. of the ball with a little bit of topspin? Yes. Connor- I'm trying to get that. Connor Garnett's two-handed backhand is 
disgusting. It's filthy. It's filthy. I, I can't mimic the actual ground stroke, but I like his half volley one because it's, yeah. it's pretty stable, but it's almost like a – Annalie hits it probably even better. Like she hits it low as a yeah. half volley with some topspin and like just bunts it, controls it really well in some awkward positions. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I want that for singles. Like most of the stuff I practice is usually more for singles and I adapt it to doubles afterwards. Yeah, that makes sense. What events do you train most for? Singles or doubles? I'd say training wise, like I'm every practice day, I'm usually putting in time on stuff that would be considered. I'd be practicing both, but I'd say I practice more intensively for singles. And that's because I think a lot of the stuff you do in doubles doesn't transfer really well to singles, but the same isn't true. Vice versa. Like I can, are you actually on the court practicing singles or is this more in the gym? Uh, this is all on the court, like court stuff. Um, gym's a, a separate thing. Um, I'd say the gym is more general stuff like power explosiveness that can definitely apply to both. It probably applies to singles a little bit more. Um, but yeah, single stuff on the court. I feel like when you add single stuff to your doubles game, it can really give people a hard time because they don't often see it if they don't play singles. Whereas if you do double stuff in singles, it can work against singles players, but there's more freedom to, to do some, other stuff to counter it kind of that, uh, diffuses it. So I prefer to practice more singles, kind of intensive stuff to, uh, to transfer to both things. That makes sense. So, I mean, clearly you're a competitor. You are a student of the game. Do you ever want to play against Annalie instead of having a walkover every mixed tournament? (laughs) Well, I do get to play against her. I got to play against her at MLP, uh, which I do enjoy very much. What about PPA? I mean, we got, we got 30 tournaments a year that we can chalk up who our mixed <laughs> our mixed doubles gold medalists are. See, I love competing and I love playing against Santa Lee, no doubt. What I love more than that, Jimmy, is winning. <laughs> you could win without I'm never going to beat my chances of winning. I, I, can, I could definitely do it, but it would be much harder. <laughs> and I don't want to make that much harder. On ben John's like taking winning. the easy way out. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you heard it here. I mean, first. I don't, this, nobody title. blames you for that. Ben just takes the easy way out. That's a title right there. <laughs> that's it. Well, that's going to be the title of the podcast. Ben Johns Good. takes the easy way out. Okay, let me ask you this. Who wins, who wins, Ben Johns and Colin Johns or Ben Johns and Dylan Frazier? Um, it, it would be it would be me and Colin. Um, I think that Dylan's a great right side player. He's I, you know, it's basically Colin, Dylan, Matt. I think everyone knows the top three right side players. Um, Dylan would have to, to get used to, to playing with me. I think JW is similar, but there's enough uh, differences to where it would be. Uh, yeah, it, it, it would, he would need some time to adjust. And I need some time to adjust to him for sure as well. Do you think if you guys trained together, you'd be better than you and Colin? Uh, I, I don't think so. Um, there's a couple of reasons for that. I could easily be wrong. It's just, it's only theory really. And it's hard to say how good he could be with training with me. Like sometimes people just mesh together really well and they're much better than you expected. But I I tend towards thinking, no, Um, I think Colin actually defends me really well, which is partially because he plays with me a lot and sees it a lot. But I, I think his game is actually pretty suited to defending what I do. I mean, Colin has sacrificed his mixed career to be your partner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's yeah, a well, good, that's a good brother. That is a great brother. You know, he's, yeah. he's definitely not selfish. Uh, you know, we <laughs> built him from the ground up to be a right side player and have skill sets that I, were for the right side. And 
We yeah. never really even talked about mix. We never tried to practice it until <laughs> oh. probably the I last. I mean, he, it's, it's clear. It's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> until in, in the past year or two, I was like, hey, it's not like, yeah, you're not good at it. But it's not that you can't be. Like, we can work on a couple of things and make you a lot better very quickly. And last tournament, he had some bad loss. And he was just like, none of the stuff I do well transfers to mixed doubles at all. Work so hard and none of it transfers. It was just so funny. I was just cracking up. I was like, we can work on stuff to make you better. But you are right. Nothing you do well actually does well in the doubles. I was like, okay, first thing you need to do, stop blocking. You just can't block. Because what happens is when you block, the guy comes over and he attacks your girl. And then, you know, you lose the point and then he gets frustrated. Like, I hit a great block. I was like, it doesn't matter. You're going to get lit. Your partner lit up. I was like, start hitting counter punches. I don't care if you're two feet inside the baseline. I don't want to see you hit another block for a year. Just just hit it hard. That's... And I was like, you, you have a great drive. You can move well. So drive and crash and move and, you know, do all that stuff that you don't do in men's stuff. Um, he's got great facial expressions. Incredible. It's pretty priceless. I, uh, I do enjoy them. That's I mean, why that, I, I, like I mean that double. Dylan J dub that last tournament. I mean, those first two games, what were there? 48 net courts. Like, I mean, those first two games enough to make him mad enough to make me irritated actually, which is usually that doesn't yeah. happen, but, uh, yeah, it was enough to make me irritated. And, and I would say, you know, a lot of people, think the frustration is maybe misplaced and i always kind of give credit like more credit than colin which is if you're playing with low margin you're hitting attacks that are very low to the net you're going to get more net cords and to some extent they are good shots so i mean i, I don't i don't say like oh you guys were so lucky that's why you yeah. got such a point or game or whatever it's, it's more like hey you're hitting good shots you're hitting low margin good for you um it's still frustrating in game uh frustration clearly but i don't call it lucky yeah for sure but it still is I mean, it can still be frustrating when you're sitting on a ball and it freaking ricochets and hit, yeah. hits you in the neck. Yeah. The one that got me, I think I got frustrated when he uh, Dylan flipped the ball with his forehand off the bounce that was going up. I had my backhand like up here to counter it. It hits, clips the net, goes above my pal, and then hits me in the chest. I'm like, that's just so <laughs> so humiliating. Gosh darn it. Like, how, yeah. It hits me like, directly in the middle of the chest. There's just something about that where it just gets me. So, so are we 2024? You're not changing anything up. You and Colin, you and Annalie, right? Yeah. I mean, if it's not broke, broken. Jim. Yep. If it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Do you feel you know, like- unless Tyler, unless Tyler develops a, a two-handed backhand dink or something, then I might just lie that like, ooh, that looks pretty. I don't hey, know. You, you should see it. You, you'd Let's be impressed. <laughs> maybe. Thing of beauty. Yeah. Hey, do you still believe though lefty-righty is the future? Yeah, no question. But there's only what? Three good lefties? Four lefties. How many lefties are there right now? Three probably that are? Rafa. There's a lot more lefties in the game, but. Rafa, Pablo, you. You're forgetting Altoff. You're forgetting Rob, Rob Cassidy. I mean, yeah, I forgot them up for a reason. Um, CJ Klinger's coming up. Yeah, yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know how old he is. He's going to grow even more, but um, a long lefty is definitely difficult to handle would you have picked me if i was still available for the for your round in mlp of course <laughs> don't, ben, don't be fix honest. what isn't broken <laughs> ben, be, be honest you would have taken eric lang still incorrect so he, that, he would have been I, gone. I he would have been taken you think i don't know probably. um I, I told eric like he asked he was 
basically, you know, lobbying to, for me to draft him. And I was like, well, if these, I think it was, I gave him like three players. I was like, if any of these players are still on the board, I'm taking them over you just to let you know. <laughs> Tyler was one of them. Uh, I didn't think you were going to get to me because usually, you know, if you win some MLPs, you get a, a little bit of an inflated draft stock and you go earlier. So I was like, there's no way he's getting to my pick. Um, I think I mentioned AJ as well. If AJ gets to me, I would obviously take AJ over you. Yeah. AJ went right, right before, right? Yeah, that was shockingly late. And yeah. what's funny is they so long with that draft pick. I almost was like, are they going to pass? Like, that's crazy. What are you doing? Like, yeah. just, that's a snap pick. Yeah, for sure. Do you, so let, let's talk MLP preview real quick. So you guys, I mean, your group is loaded. Three playoff teams, right? You've got the squeeze in your group. You've got, uh, is Dallas in your, Dallas, I think. I think it's the ranchers. Or the ranchers, and, that's uh, it. Who's the other playoff team? Is it it's not Miami, is it? No, no, is no. Is it DC? It's the ranchers. No, I've got it. I'll look it up. But drive. Oh, it's Arizona. The drive, it's that's drive. it. So yeah, three three playoff teams. How are you feeling yeah. about that? Uh, like you uh, <laughs> have you ever not made the playoffs in MLP? Uh no. So you got a little streak on the line here. Yeah, uh, I think it was semis, win, win, quarters. And that semis, you guys lost in the dream breaker, right? Uh, to the hustlers, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That was the Tyler. Yeah, you know, somehow our losses usually are dream breakers. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you I, like. I don't think. Uh, we've only ever lost one team match that wasn't a dream breaker, and it was in the super final. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was. Uh, we need to forget ben, about what, that. What oh, sorry, Ben. Both what, just like hey, back. what happened? Like, oh, in that? Hey, everyone says I, I choked, <laughs> oh, no. and I, I'll admit I did not play good at all. But I only played one match, and, and we lost. Wait, you're putting this on Ben? No, I'm not We're putting it on Ben, but I'm putting it on everybody else who say, oh, I choked. I only played one match. So so Megan uh, Dazan uh, gets mad at me for bringing this up. She won't. <laughs> she gets pissed and tells me to never bring it up again. But what happened in that Super Finals? Like, was it just a bad day? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we were definitely a little in an interesting mind state uh, after, you know, winning. And it was almost like you celebrate and then you felt like you won and then you went back and played the next day. It, it definitely felt a little odd. Uh, and the fives came out with, or sorry, not the fives, the mad drops, the mad drops came out with a, a good game plan and they came out very aggressive and, and they wanted it really badly. And I think you can always tell in, in almost any sport when a team really wants something and they're, you know, willing to do anything and the other teams just kind of low energy uh, usually doesn't go well for the low energy team. And that was really as simple that as that. I think it was almost kind of one way traffic, one team being aggressive and the other team was just passive. I think the girls um, play their best when they're both aggressive and they just felt like they are having a lot of pressure put on them. Um, and then obviously we lost um, men's in a tight one, which I felt like we, we gave a, a lead away a little bit. Um, still felt confident about that one, but just too many points right at the end. Um, you know, that's how that format goes just a little bit. And then mixed doubles. I, I know Etta hadn't seen Catherine's ball before. And I think what we struggled with there was that Etta hadn't seen really heavy roll dinks on the forehand into what she was used to doing, um, which just mechanically was a bit of an issue. That makes sense. Were there any matches that stand out that you remember that were good or fun from our season, season one of this year? Uh, season one of 
this year with, the, with uh, pioneers. He's actually oh, blocked like that our, out. Our team matches or, or me and you specifically? I don't know. Just with pioneers. With he us. wants to know if he played well. Ben. Yeah. Did Tyler play yeah, well? Yeah. I think I think the the final against the Fives was pretty awesome. That was uh, fun. We had some good matches, and the Dreambreaker obviously was a, a shocker to everybody. And there were that's a when of, Ben like, went all mastermind. He 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 orchestrated everything. That was the Tyler versus Annalie, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was the one. And I had asked Ben, I said, would you have put me out in the order that I was out regardless or was it specifically to be put up against Annalie because we were reacting to their lineup? And what did you say, Ben? Uh, it was just matchup-based. It was matchup-based. So wherever Annalie was, he was, he was going to put me out against her. That's why he's the GOAT. That's why no. That's why he's the goat for ten years, and then well, somebody else it's comes easy along. To call, easy to call a strategy decision a good decision after it, it succeeds. Yeah, of course. <laughs> or it could have gone easily, very badly, and everyone would be like, "What an idiot!" Yeah, <laughs> of course. Do you? Um, who's somebody, Ben? Who's who are some players that you think are like the future of the sport? Do you see any up and comers that? Uh, yeah, I guess people always define up and comers differently, but, um, one of my favorite players is definitely Etta. Um, I think she's got a very powerful frame. She has easy power, which you can't really teach that. Um, she, I like how she moves on the court, you know, not really specifically quickly, but how she covers the court is, is definitely interesting to me in women's doubles. Um, and certainly mixed doubles as well. So I'm, I'm very high on her and her ceiling. I think she hasn't even been playing playing that long, and she can still do some stuff. But soft hands plus powerful hands, I'm I'm always uh, a big proponent of that. So on the women's side, I'd, I'd give the nod to Etta. Um, Did you know Etta was my discovery, Ben? I I didn't. How was it? Was it you? <laughs> he calls everybody his discovery. Me- Megan Megan was my discovery. <laughs> Etta was my discovery. True. No, not Atta really. Boy. But true story. Etta. One time we we had it was like two years ago. We had three people. And we were looking for a fourth person. I literally posted on Facebook that we needed a fourth <laughs> and Etta shows up and, <laughs> and she just had a baby and she said, Oh, I played a little bit of pickleball, but I haven't played a ton. And she comes out and just crushes. And I was like, who is this girl? And she just yeah, crushed what, it. <laughs> yeah. What I love about Etta is just the sweetest, nicest person yes. in the world. She's Absolutely. so quiet. And then at the same time, she gets in the court and you can see just like it really matters. She's she's a killer. Like, yeah, she's 100%. Still on the court she is a freaking stone win. cold killer. It, it's amazing. So I really like her game. And then um, I, I can't really think of a men's doubles one. So I'll go with the singles one. I I really like the way the Kwong Dong plays the uh, avatar ball ball bender. Yeah, is that interesting. His, his or something. <laughs> Um, I really do like the way he plays. I think he's he's very quick. And this is more um, for singles, or is this doubles as well? This, this is just doubles. Um, I, I don't. I couldn't think of a doubles player, so I went with the singles player. Uh, I think he's got a, a very high ceiling to, just because of you know he plays with a lot of spin. He plays with a little more low margin than most people, and I think obviously if you play with a low margin, you have a very high ceiling. So yeah. I like his ball striking. He's played. You've played him a couple times, and you have not yeah, had think- any issues with him. Three times, yeah, I've played him. Um, no, didn't didn't have issues, but uh, I would also say I played him in the heat all three times. I feel like he'd be better in more crisp environment. Um, Interesting. The heat struggle for anybody that plays with a big ball. Um, but whenever you play with a low margin, especially in singles, if you can do it well, if you have good ball striking, which he does, um, then you have a very high ceiling. I think. Ben, do you not play indoor anymore because you lost to Spencer Smith at TOC? <laughs> Uh, no, um, I, it's something that most people don't know, but I, I have eye damage from when I was nine, uh, and one eye. So I, I actually can't really see very well indoors. So I just don't. 
So if we want to get rid of Ben, just move all the tournaments to indoors and done. He's He's not signing up. Yeah. Um, It's not a huge difference. If it's nice lighting, like it's really good lighting, then it's not really an issue. Basically, um, the doctor said, you know, you have nerve damage and, and spotty lighting that's slightly dark in places you'll have struggle you'll struggle with depth perception i was like yeah that's what i've experienced so that checks out oh yeah that makes sense what are your thoughts on um protection glasses um i guess it depends on you know how powerful the paddles are we all gonna be playing with if you're all playing with um you know the the average paddle today you can probably be fine without them but if you're if, if everyone's playing with o2s or better then you should probably be wearing them. I don't really like wearing them because I, I don't like rims. It messes with me, but I'm sure I could get used to it. For the you think it slows safety. you down? Tyler thinks it slows down your reaction speed. <laughs> maybe maybe a little bit. Slows Man, you that's, down. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous. No, it's comment. actually not ridiculous because <laughs> it's passing through the lens, and so scientifically, it's going to be slower. What you're perceiving is 100 slower. I promise you, Ben. I mean, that's give us, give us your take on this. My my ball tracking is slower. How about that? A little, little middle ground for you guys. <laughs> With the glasses on? Yes. The, the rims can, can definitely hurt my depth perception and well, kind of how you see the ball peripherally. No, I, I was saying it more tongue-in-cheek, but I, I think if somebody knows that they're being protected, like if they're wearing a helmet, they're more likely to do crazy stuff because they know they're being protected. And so, Yeah. It's like, you know, baseball uh, batters in the box wearing a bunch of pads. It's like you're not scared anymore. Exactly. For any reason. You, but if you have that, uh, that knowledge that, hey, I might, get, <clears throat> I might get hit in the face or something, I'm going to be super ready. That's fair. Yeah. That's why people get jumpy when you're, you take the big swing and you almost like you got occasionally like they, they get jumpy. If you have the glasses on, you probably don't care that much. Exactly. Exactly. You just stand in there and, and take it. Ben, I saw, your, I saw your first pitch at Wrigley. You clearly played baseball growing up. Uh, yeah. I stopped pitching in high school when I was 16. Okay. That makes sense. Cause you, I mean, uh, honestly, what I was afraid of, <laughs> I was afraid of slipping. I wasn't wearing spikes. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't wearing spikes. So I, I was like, okay, just whatever you do, do not slip and fall or you'll be all <laughs> over whatever social media tomorrow. <laughs> no, it looked good. Like you look like, I mean, you can tell, like it didn't look like 50 cent where you like threw it 90 feet left and it rolled, <laughs> that was you know, hilarious. <laughs> like that one was the best. That was so good. Um, yeah, no, uh, I, that baseball was my first sport growing up. So I, I pitched from a very young age, um, and I stopped cause I had elbow problems, but I loved it and I did a lot of it and it was, it was great. And but, you, uh, yeah. so going back way beginning, you started when you were 14 years old, pickleball, right? Uh, no, I, I first picked up a paddle when I was 16, almost 17. So I picked up a paddle in, uh, February of 2016. And I played the U.S. Open, the first U.S. Open ever in 2016 yeah. uh, in April, a few months later. So that was my first tournament. And I, wow. think I played two more that year. And I started playing like a lot in 2017. You hooked me up with uh, Craig Jones, who I go and stay mm-hmm. with every time I go to Naples, Florida. Um, is that where yeah. you started at that those courts there in Florida? That community. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He hooked me up with a host family and really? he's, how old is he? 70 years old? Uh, not sure, but he was one of the local guys that played in my community when I first started. So that yeah. was 2016. He's, he's like my I best friend now. Really? Yeah. 17. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good dude. Who, who are some of those OGs, Ben? Like, are there some OGs that you maybe modeled your game after or you watched or. 
I modeled my game after everybody, man. Like, there's there's so many shots from so many people. Like, I'm a Frankenstein put together by other players. <laughs> uh, but out of the OGs that I, I got a lot of stuff from would be Kyle, um, for sure. I, I definitely got a lot of stuff from him. The forehand wind-up, the inside-out forehand, um, the the close with a backhand um, through the court after hitting a drop kind of quickly. It's almost like a, a fake close. Uh there's, there's a ton of stuff from him. Learned some stuff from Wes Gabrielson, the two-handed dig, like using two hands when you're trying to play defense. That was from Wes Gabrielson. Um, how I play in midcourt, which admittedly is still not good. Uh, I mostly got from Simone. Uh, I got a lot of strokes from Simone, like just how she moved and her strokes in general were really clean and crisp, so I, I tried to use some of those. Um, and I never really do stuff as well as how other people do it, but you know, if I have 90% of how well they do their good things, then it, it puts together a decent player. Like you, you see a shot used against you and you're like, okay, I'm going to, I want to figure that out. That was sick. Yeah. It's usually the shot that they are best at or one of their best ones or it's unique or it gives other people problems. Um, usually it's kind of what people associate as like their signature shot, so to speak. Um, yeah. and yeah, if he takes a signature shot and can make it even. Tell us your best Miller story. Mills Miller. What? Your best oh, Mills? Mills Miller story. Uh, best Mills Miller story. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> so I was in charge and uh, we played a tournament in Golden State area. Um, Jordan Brion has hosted that tournament, actually, if you guys remember Jordan. Um and we got a B&B with probably like six, seven people. There were a lot of OGs there, and, and Mills was one of them. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, he had the the one room in the house that didn't have AC, and he was so miserable the whole time. Like every night, he'd just be sweating, come out in the morning looking all like red eyes, like this this place doesn't have any AC. Who booked this? And I swear <laughs> to this day. He will not go into a B- an Airbnb that I booked. He's like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. I had a horrible four nights in this one tournament, and I'm never doing it again. Uh, um, so Phil so still gives me some shit about that. But uh, <laughs> I just, it was just so funny how bad of a time he had because he didn't have a room with AC. Miller is great. People, most people, the new people, they don't know who he is, but he is great. He is a legend of the game. Mills is the man. Yeah. Every time I see him, Mills, you're back. It's just uh, it's, uh, always entertaining with him around. He's a nomad, dude. He he splits his time. He doesn't even know where he's sleeping uh, in a week. Doesn't know where he he's goes sleeping, in between San Diego and Washington. Home. Yeah, he's like he's like the original couch surfer of pickleball. Yeah, yeah. He was doing this when he was like 20 years old. He was traveling across <laughs> the country, playing in these tournaments without any prize money, without any of that. All for competition. All for winning. Insane. Mm-hmm. That's a true competitor right there. Not playing yeah. for anybody. Yeah. That's a that's a guy that's not gonna choose Annalie just to have a walkthrough. Uh you're right about that. <laughs> Mills is a better man than I am. I will say that right now. <laughs> this guy. Awesome. Um anything else, Jimmy? No. Ben, when are you gonna when are you gonna revamp a podcast? Uh, well, I just feel like everybody has a podcast now, so it's just not the cool thing to do anymore. But you start um, like you had the that, you oh. had the OG one. I know, yeah, but I don't. I don't even surf like social media anymore. I, the only thing I do is look <laughs> at YouTube occasionally. And I will say this: out of all the podcasts, I do not watch any podcasts except like clips from your ears. Let's I'll, go. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, 
but but yeah, no, I don't think I don't think that's, so. Did you just uh, give your maybe. username and password to your manager, media manager, and they just do all your posts? I love the inspirational quotes and everything like that. No, but you tweet <laughs> yourself, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, to be fair, to be fair, all like all the content I do with <laughs> let's her talk about this quotes and stuff. Like I provide her with the appropriate stuff, um, and of course she films and does okay. a bunch of other stuff as well that, that's not directly me. So it's still me. It's just I'm not the one doing it, and more importantly, like. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I was the one doing it, the important part is I don't like – I just don't think it's a good use of time, um, especially for like athletes and competitors to be just surfing social media. Like it just it, – personally you, for me, You're missing out. There's there's a ton of personalities out there in the interspace. Hey, he yeah, watches I'm, our clips I'm, though. Yeah, no, there we That's go. That's all that matters. Yeah. Huh, awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean we, we're kind of jumping around, but you said most likely you won't be competing after age 30. What would you be doing after then? Uh, you know, I don't really have a definitive answer. I'll, I'll see where these next four or five, six years take me. Um, I, I have a lot of interests and honestly, Do you want to really stay play. around pickleball or are you kind of moving on? Probably not. Yeah, uh, I would I would like to be in pickleball in maybe from a distance. I probably would not be directly involved. Um, I just don't really love doing the same thing unless I really But you're still getting it. royalties um, from YOLO, so that's fine. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, I mean, I guess I am partially involved forever. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it could be maybe I, maybe I get into venture capital. I feel like we, I've met a lot of cool venture capital people um, through pickleball because there's just naturally a lot of those types of people. Uh, maybe I do some, some R and D engineering design for Yola, or maybe I do it for, uh, an entire different company and, and not even, uh, not even in a sport. So could do anything really. We'll see. What if the money is just so big at that point? Yeah. Um, well I would say if you take money kind of out of the equation, then I'd put my, my career on say four more years. And I'd say if the money's really good, it'll bring me up to something more like, uh, you know, six to where I get to the age of 30 or something. And if it's still that good and I'm still really good, I'd be shocked. I shouldn't be the best player in six years. Like that would be, that'd be a long time. <laughs> but don't you think the pickleball, like the, the lifespan for a pickleball players longer than other sports, at least right well, now. Yeah, but that's, but it's also battling with new players coming in. Um, I think naturally new players will be better and better and there's going to be more yeah. depth and that, yeah. that will make it harder for everybody to, to win, let alone dominate. Um, and I yeah. feel like after kind of my experience in pickleball and everything that I've done, it's definitely going to be hard to always have motivation to say, you know, I'm fifth in the world or something. It's going to be hard to have motivation. When you do lose, do you get down or does it motivate you or do you just not even remember it? Yeah, it's, it's both. I'd say it, um, it really hits hard for the day that I lose. And I probably think about it a little bit, um, off and on for say a week. Um, it's not so down to the point of, you know, really detrimenting your life enjoyment or anything. It's more just like, Oh, that really sucked. And now we're moving on. We're, we're coming I, to terms with it. I remember I was at a tournament and you had an early exit. That tournament, it was a massive upset. And I mean, after that match, you were gone. Just gone. Which upset? Super quick. Yeah. Well, just so you know, when, when we were drafting the Black Bears, we had lots of players reach out and, you know, tell us why we should pick them. And one of these players, Philip Locklear, literally sent one sentence that said, I beat Ben Johns. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I remember that that match. I, I did leave early that one. That one. 
Did you? Let I me always, ask you, did, I always did you ever watch Daniel Austin Gridley's video on how to beat the Johns brothers? I can't say I did, um, <laughs> but I, I will we'll say send, I we'll send you the link. Okay, I'll, I'll bear that in mind. I'll, I'll watch that later. But uh, I remember Philip <laughs> playing really well that match. He wasn't missing his drops, and they were really good, and his speed ups were working. And Benny was just being Benny, and I always struggle with whatever he does. So, um, yeah, that was that was an upset. <laughs> that's a good that's a good resume. It, it didn't work though. <laughs> I mean, it, it didn't work. We didn't take him, but that was a, it. Was compelling. There was a compelling it, argument. Compel- um, you might not want to say this, but I think you will. What type of team do oh. you see yourself losing to? What What do you? Is it the shake and bakes? Is it the patience? Is it the drives? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I've said it before, so yeah, I don't mind saying it again. I think a aggressive shake and bake righty lefty team with a, a really good lefty would be the team I would craft to beat us. Um, I think shake and bake gives you a few more runs of points it's a little more sporadic uh, a little more random and it can be tough to get in the zone when they're playing that aggressively and i think uh what lefties have kind of yet to develop is we haven't seen enough lefties have a really good like reach in back and roll out of the air or play very aggressively in the middle you haven't seen me Uh, in the past two months watch yourself yeah it's it's gonna be a thing of you once we come back and like it's a whole new tyler after eight years he's got it (laughs) Um, i'm telling everybody 2024 yeah, so like a good example is Pablo, right? Like he does flick the backhand out of the air, and it's somewhat limited in the spots he goes, uh, and he's not super aggressive with the forehand out of the air. So you can kind of see glimpses of what a, a really aggressive lefty would look like, and it's definitely kind of a scary thought with the right righty. So yeah, the, the team of Kraft is is too aggressive righty left. Cool. Um, any anything else? No, I mean, okay. Listen, you get how are you, you looking going on this podcast? Wait, say that again. Are, are you confident in your Black Bears going into this this next event? How do you feel? Yeah, I think I think we're good. I think we have. I think our women are the best in Challenger. I think Anderson Scarpa was steady, steady Eddie for us in men's, and then you know Pilot's a guy that not a lot of people know about. He doesn't play a ton of tournaments, but he plays with that Los Cabs crew with the Brashas and Hayden, and and they're all super high on him. So we'll see. We'll see if he. You know, Mar- we had, we had Marshall Brown before he was, he was solid, but he, you know, people talk about the stats. So real clear stats said, basically we made a mistake dropping him because he had, so this is a good question for Ben. Cause he had one out of every 50 shots was an unforced there. So we had the lowest unforced air percentage in all of challenger, it's but an odd stat. he was also, yeah, but he was very, very conservative. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, well, I mean, he got attacked on the type of role he's supposed to be fulfilling. Like it's, it's not going to work with some people and it's going to work fine with other people. If he's playing with me, then yeah, I'd, I'd like that. But if he's supposed to be a playmaker, you need a, a good mixed doubles player. That's probably not going to be the player you want. So it's, it's all very role based. Ex- yeah, exactly. And we felt like pilot's a better mixed doubles player. He's more aggressive. And yeah, I think Marshall went one in four in mixed doubles, something like that. Yeah, so, I think a better uh, do in tennis is actually they uh, take your unforced errors and they combine it with your – as like unforced errors are a negative and your winners are a positive. Um, and by winners, we'll say speed up success, for instance. Like what is your what is your count in terms of are you plus five, are you minus five, that kind of thing. So Colin, for instance, will usually be like two successful speed ups, one unforced error. So he's at like plus one. I'll be at like, you know, 
15 successful speed ups and, and 10 unforced errors. I'll be like plus five, something like that for, for matches. Like I feel like that's a much yeah. better stat to show both how valuable they are and what kind of role they're playing. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense. I think that that that's more along the lines of a stat that obviously makes more sense as opposed to, you know, like you could sit there and, and dink all day, right? I mean, most people could probably, if they're just dinking most pros, you would expect them to be able to hit 40, 50 dinks in a row. You know, yeah. if you're not trying anything else. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't really know exactly what stats are going to be kind of the future of showing how good a player actually is. Um, but I'm sure we have yet to to really show the ones that are that are right. And we're probably showing a lot of extraneous ones right now. Um Hopefully that comes along soon because I'd like to see some more stats on players that uh, exemplifies kind of what they do well and shows more of what they are as a player than the public perception of what they are. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you saw the NBA does the thing now where they, where they basically track every movement of their players. You know, I think that Uh, would be an interesting stat. That's a really big one in hockey. Just, I mean, they're kind of similar sports in terms of positioning being really valuable. Uh, maybe even more so in hockey, though, and kind of player tracking is interesting. That one might not be super interesting in pickleball because you just see the player most. Sure, like, yeah, small court. <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's lots of stuff to be explored. Uh, yeah. how, how about your team, Tap? What do you think? Uh, so we're in Group C. Yeah, we have Miami again. Um, Tyler and Tyson. Here we go. Who else is in there? Yay. Um, you guys have Dallas. Dallas, J, uh, James, and you, I think Atlanta. Don't no, you? no, we uh, don't have Atlanta. How bad at poor Atlanta. They might be the worst MLPT. They should go to challenger. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It'll be fun. Um, yeah. Hayden, he, he played one match and then he had to sit out. If you, if you put it Zane's pandas against, against that team, what, who comes out on top? Zane's pandas versus Atlanta. <laughs> I think the pandas might actually get their first win. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, hey, God, me and you had a close one against uh, the Frisco Pandas. Um, that was like one of our well, closest well, wait, matches. Atlanta, Atlanta's women would be better than Frisco's. Yeah. You think? Do you Paris remember how well he did in that match against against us though when we played the pandas? He played with Yana against you and Megan, and DJ was just like a wizard for that match. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that was pretty pretty insane. Yeah, um, that was. I, I remember that match. D- DJ sent me a text and said that he's going to be the Challenger League MVP. Atta boy. Way to have he some. Said, he said he's embracing it. He's embracing Challenger. Yeah, well, he should. He should be able to dominate. <laughs> um Dallas, I think, had an underperforming. Like they had a tough pool. Um, I, I thought they Dallas were going to be really good. Top, yeah, they were my like top two pick team. Like I thought they were going to be really good. Yeah, I thought they would too. Um, but I mean, what it, James, Jay, Callie, and Elise, right? Yeah, just seems solid. They all kind of underperformed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I thought the ranchers yeah. would be better too, but I think Dylan was sick. Yeah, Dylan was sick, and I think uh, one of their girls just didn't play well. I forget who. Just I think they lost. Yeah, that Stratman too. was awful. I mean, she didn't want – Stratman wasn't even going to be there until 24 hours before 
So I think that's got to be They're hard. They're making their room reservations, yeah. their, their well, apartment. I just think mentally that's got to be hard if you're, yeah. yeah. It is also funny that people definitely draw conclusions about MLT, MLP teams so quickly. But I'm like, yeah, but if like one or two points went the other way around in any given, in certain matches, you'd have a completely different draw. And just like there's so many factors where things are different so quickly. Unless you have like yeah. one or two teams that are clearly better than everybody else. Like last season, I felt like the drafting was subpar to the point of the mad drops and, and the pioneers being pretty overpowered um this year i feel like people are drawing conclusions a little a little quickly i think there's still a lot of room for different champions i think we might have three different champions in three different uh events that's going to be my call for the remainder the remaining two i, I think you can see that the, the thing with mlp too like aj aj came on the other day and he said you know he was kind of bagging on the MLP owners a little bit. Cause he's like, you know, there's this talk that they want to do this team thing and they want you to move to the cities and all these things, which it's kind of been shot down obviously, but he's like, but then after one event, you have these owners trying to trade their entire team away. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you could mix those two things. So if you were to do a whole city based thing in the future, yeah. uh, I'm sure there are rules for how, how long you had to keep a player and, and all that. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah. Move to a new city within one week. They're out. Yeah. Yeah, no, nobody's getting traded after a month in in a city. That would just be logistically too difficult. So yeah, yeah. But but that, I mean, I guess the NBA technically has those rules. You can't get if you've been picked up by a team, you can't be traded till February and things like that. But yeah, but it was just funny because he's like, these guys panic after one event. Yeah, <laughs> they do. They definitely do. Uh, at least a lot of them. Yeah. So. Awesome. All right. Well, Ben, we're going to wrap up. If you can stay on for like two more minutes, we're going to end recording um, and then yeah. make sure everything hopefully saves. So we have this. 